And you will never be able to discern the will of God if you are not in the Word of God. You won't. I mean, His will is revealed through His Word. And so if you are finding yourself in a place where you don't know what to do next, you're just whatever, you you have got to have the rock-solid foundation of standing on God's Word to be able to, for the Spirit to be able to help reveal to you His will. You've got to know the, the Word of God. Welcome to the Women in Work podcast, the show that inspires you to confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. I'm Courtney Moore, and usually I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Missy Branch, but for this season of the podcast, I'm going solo. For the next several weeks, you'll hear from the contributing authors of our forthcoming book with B&H Publishing entitled Women in Work, Bearing God's Image and Joining in His Mission Through Our Work. Our team prays these conversations are not only encouraging and inspiring, but will also give you a good preview of the book itself as we chat about each chapter throughout the season. You'll also love getting to know our amazing contributing authors whose chapters I had the privilege of editing. Pre-order your copy of Women in Work at the link in the show notes, and thank you for joining our mission here at Women in Work by making a one-time donation or by becoming a monthly partner at womenwork.net slash donate. Thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome back to the show, everyone. We um, have a great episode coming your way today. We have another contributing author to the Women in Work book. Today we have us, my good friend, Courtney Powell. Let me uh, share with you guys a little bit about Courtney, and then we'll jump right into the conversation. Courtney Powell holds a Bachelor of Music with an emphasis in Christian Studies from Union University and an MA in Church Ministry from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. In addition to being an operations consultant for a nonprofit, she also serves as Director of Ministry Content right here at Women and Work, where she helps to create and promote content that encourages, of course, and hopefully inspires you women to use your gifts to the advancement of the kingdom. She lives with her husband and three daughters in Arvada, Colorado, where her husband serves on staff with Storyline Church. She wrote chapter three in our book called Am I Called? Courtney, I can't believe you're, I mean, you're here. You're a guest. This is great. Yeah, this is crazy. (laughs) I'm usually behind the scenes listening to the guests. So this is fun. I know. I was thinking last night, you know, we were kind of getting ready for this today and I was like, how weird is it? You've never been a guest. Like you're so involved with the podcast, you know, every <laughs> single know. aspect of the podcast right. from start to finish, the whole the whole nine. Uh, so it's so actually fun to have you on as a guest and chat with you. So um, hooray. So with every contributing author so far, we've shared a little bit of how we've connected. So Courtney, let's go back. Let's go back in time. Way back into college, <laughs> Jackson, Tennessee. So the way that... Uh, Courtney Moore and I met was her husband was a youth pastor in a town over and I was his intern for a year. And actually funny story, my maiden name is Courtney Moore and obviously her married name was Courtney Moore. And so during that whole time we had the same name. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> even when we started doing women and work stuff together, people would be like, are you posting your own content and acting like it's someone else? Like, no, her name is Courtney Moore. I am married and that is not my name anymore. Yes, um, but yes. yeah, so that was almost, I was actually trying to calculate it up today. It was almost 15 years ago. Oh my gosh, that was uh, 2009, I believe, mm. right? 2009. Or 2008. Yeah, eight or nine. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a good long, yeah. good long while it ago. It was nine because we graduated from seminary in 2009. Oh, right. And I met yeah. you after, so Courtney was in college. I was already graduated from <laughs> seminary, so that <laughs> yeah. tells you the age gap there. Um, I t- you were such a provision from the Lord for oh, me man. during that time because, <laughs> I, I mean... I won't get into our whole story there, but we, you know, it was a tough time for my husband and I. And like, you were like, I'm telling you, like, I thank the Lord that, that you came along when you did in my life. And then, so then you went, you graduated from union, you went to Mm -hmm. seminary and then we reconnected. Mm -hmm. Share with folks about that. Do you remember? 
we reconnected with women at work, right? Isn't that how we yeah. reconnected? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, well, actually, even before that, you came on campus because I was working. I worked for sure. Southern Seminary for about 10 years. And you came to an alumni academy and right. were there. And so we kind of mm. reconnect. That was actually what got us talking again. Um, okay, and yeah. then we reconnected with the first Women at Work event, I think, in Birmingham. Um, right. when you were there, cause we were living there at the time. Um, my husband was on staff at church that. in Birmingham. Yeah. And so that was the first in-person event that I helped with, with women yes. at work. And then from then on, it's just been, we hit the ground running. I forgot. I have a picture of you like dragging a podium. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Yes. Because you we borrowed your church's yep. podium and you, yeah. God bless you, drug that uh, thing probably from like a parking garage up yeah. to our event by yourself. Uh, I completely forgot. about. It. And then you like, you brought all your plants. You like made our, you know, uh, yeah. our set beautiful, the whole thing. Um, <laughs> I reached out to you when we started the Women in Work book club because I knew you right. were a reader and yeah. you had a, I don't know if you still do, had a whole Instagram account, Courtney's Bookshelf. Yeah. I do. And yeah, you share all it. these books. And I was like, I think she might be perfect for this. Little did I know, you know, so first she came on as the book club director and then you moved into um, ministry content. So yeah. uh, kind of share with everybody what you do with that. Yeah. So basically, you know, for those of you that are familiar with women and work, we're really a content kind of a lot of what we do is produce content. So we have a podcast, we have a book club, we have a Bible study on you version, we have a blog. So basically any kind of content, whether it be social media posts, blog posts, whatever, I oversee all of that. So I don't do all of that by myself. It just falls into my area. So the podcast oversee the schedule, all that kind of stuff. Um, same with the blog content, things like that. So it's been really fun because we are a content oriented ministry. I get to have a part in a lot of the different things that we do. So I oversee a lot of that. I write a lot for women in work and just kind of help even, um, with some of the operational side too, just figuring out when we're going to post what, when we're going to do what, all of that kind of stuff. So it's really fun. Yeah, such a blessing to this ministry you are. And I, I feel like I say this about every team member of Women in Work, but truly we couldn't do it without you, Courtney. And so, <laughs> so thankful for you and thankful for the Lord just, I mean, lining our paths, you know? Yeah. And now you're a contributor to this book. I mean, yeah, it's great. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. All right. So I'm honored to ask you today our rapid fire questions, Courtney. I've heard so, so many fun. people answer these. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's your turn now. As a kid, Courtney, right. what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a fourth grade teacher. Don't ask me why fourth grade. I have no idea, but that is what I wanted to be. Well, at first it was a kindergarten teacher and then I had decided I wanted to do older elementary. So I wanted to be a teacher. I am not a teacher, so. <laughs> I think Mary Wiley, she wanted to be a teacher as well. Yep. We've had several yep. people. Want, it's, a, it's a common. It's one of those jobs as a kid, you know what a teacher does. That's like a job yeah. they see with their own eyes. Yeah. So that makes And when you yes. have a good teacher, it's like, oh, this seems awesome. I want to do this. Yes. They're having and it fun feels and... like you have summer off, which is also, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so what was your actual first job? Okay, so this is kind of an unusual first job, but. Um, I worked at a place called Wedgwood Optical. It's a uh, the neighborhood my parents live in is the Wedgwood neighborhood, and it was a little optical shop for glasses. And um, it was pretty old school. I mean, this is my first job, so this is a good long while ago. But um, I used to help sell glasses frames. But another thing I actually got to do there was help cut the frames and polish them, or cut the lenses, mm. polish them, put them in the frames. So it was really fun, um, kind of an unusual first job experience, but it was great. It taught me a lot about a, a field that, you know, I, I don't do anything with now, but um, it was really fun. Awesome. We, that's a first. We have not yeah. had that job. So I, it's unusual. Good. It is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what do you hope to be doing when you're 80 years old? retire no <laughs> collecting seashells no i'm just kidding <laughs> uh, um that's a that's a deep cut uh theological joke right there but no um honest honestly i really do hope to kind of be doing what i'm doing now i i hope that i am able to continue to be writing continue to be doing ministry alongside you know my husband in some kind of way in our church we're just really passionate about the local church. And so I just hope that I'm still serving. I hope that I'm still, um, 
yeah, getting to, to meet with women, getting to disciple women, getting to write content, just getting to do whatever I can to help build up our local church. I hope that's what I'm doing when I'm 80. Yeah. I hear you. Okay. So you mentioned you, your neighborhood was Wedgwood. Okay. Mm-hmm. Tell us where, where was that? Where did you grow up? And then um, you live in Colorado now. So where have you spent most of your adult life? And then share with us just a little bit of how you came to uh, faith in Christ. Yeah. Well, that's funny. So I'm a Texan through and through. I'm one of those Texans that's very proud to be a Texan. I love being a Texan. <laughs> so I'm from Fort Worth, <laughs> Texas. That's where my whole family lives. That's where I was born and raised. And it's really great. Um, and so Um, Most of my adult life, so I was a little bit unusual, even with most of my friends, I actually went to college out of state, which most of the time, if you're from Texas, you stay in Texas is what it feels like. But yes, um, but I went to college in Jackson, Tennessee. So I was there for four and a half years. And then I went from there to Louisville, Kentucky, and I was in Louisville for a good long while. That's where I got my master's degree. That's where I met my husband. We got married in Louisville. That's where we got pregnant the first time, which was really great. Um, and so we lived, I lived in Louisville from 2011 until 2016. And then um, God called my husband to a position at a church in Birmingham, Alabama, when I was 35 weeks pregnant. <laughs> we moved. Oh my gosh. Yes, from wow. Louisville to Birmingham. And so, With your first baby. With our first baby. And so okay. we lived there from 2016 to 2020. And then in 2020, uh, October of 2020, we moved to Colorado. So my adult life has honestly been pretty scattered. Um, and so we're planning to be rooted here for a, a good long while. We're loving Colorado. So, um, yeah, I have three small kids. I have a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and then I just had a baby this year. And so it's, she is about 10 weeks old as we do this podcast. episode. Aww. um, yeah, so they are our pride and joy. We love them. We have three girls, so it is a wild time and we even have a girl dog. So every, everyone in our house is a girl except for my husband. <laughs> and Matt, um, I mean, he's a, he's a pretty big athlete too, right? I mean, I want to see him loves talking about he basketball loves and all the things. He's really hoping at least one of our girls will enjoy <laughs> any of those yeah. things. Um, so far, they're not showing a, t- a ton of uh, interest in any of that <laughs> yet, but we'll see. They are they are really, really girly girls. They love – we were making a joke because this week they're on spring break, and he's been making friendship bracelets with them at home. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, it's like they like the girly activities. Um, but that's, that's so been sweet. great. Yeah, it's been really great. Um, so how I came to faith in the Lord, I grew up in a believing family. I'm really thankful for that. My, I have a really just wonderful legacy of faithfulness, my parents, both sets of grandparents. So I was with my grandparents actually, um, when I professed Christ, I was seven and I just remember my granddad kind of walking me through, I, I felt conviction over my sin and kind of him walking me through what that meant. And we prayed together. And then really since then, it's just kind of been a journey. Um, There was a kind of, I guess, the really pivotal moment when I had to really determine if I actually believe this happened a little bit younger for me, I think, than it probably did most people. The church I grew that I um, attended as a child, we weren't attending there yet. There was a shooting there is our neighborhood church, just about a half mile from my house. And there were seven people that were killed, seven people that were injured, and One of the girls that died, she was 14. My sister was 14 at the time. That was like her childhood best friend. And so that type of tragedy happening so young at our church um, or at the church that we ended up calling our our home really forced me to reckon with what does the Bible say about, I mean, I remember, I have this really vivid memory of being actually at my grandparents' house and my grandparents just were such faithful. I mean, they loved the God's words so much. And I remember I'm trying to read my, uh, whatever the, the really popular children's Bibles were at the time they have, you know, like they have Adventure, CD-ROM. Bible. Adventure Bible. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. They come with like a CD-ROM and you can, you know, and uh, I remember asking him about suffering and just, I, I just had big questions, um, at yeah. a young age because wow. of that. And so that was when I really started. It's It sounds so young because I was only in the fifth grade, but that was when I really started to read my Bible to look for answers. And so mm. 
I would say my kind of daily intake of God's word, just regular intake of God's word began really right around then. And it was small. I mean, I was young in the faith, but that was when I had to really decide if that faith was going to, if my faith was going to be my own in a lot of ways. And so, yeah. Um, so I grew up in a believing home and obviously I am so passionate about grandparents mm-hmm. because my own grandparents, both my my dad's mom and my mom's parents, were just so impactful for me growing up. Um, alongside of my parents, but they, my grandparents, just had this legacy of faithfulness that was so vital for me um, growing up, and it had, impacts me into my adulthood too. Um, so, so that's how I came to faith. Yeah, that's how I came to faith. That's how really my faith became my own. I grew up in a really healthy church. I was discipled. Um, I would say other than my, you know, parents and grandparents, the number one most influential person in my life was my mentor. Her name's Anna. She mentor, she began to mentor me when I was in middle school. I was a seventh grader all the way until I was a senior in high school. We would meet weekly, study God's word. She is one of my very best friends to this day. She's 10 years older than me. And that discipleship kind of mentoring relationship turned into a really just close friendship. She, I would say she's, you know, as close as a sister to me. We, she knows everything about me, my life, my family. And it's just so helpful because she has known me for so long and just has this whole history. Um, And so, yeah, she was on staff at my church um, in our student ministry growing up. And so I just had a healthy experience in that way. And, um, so that was just really impactful for me, especially going into college. I felt like I was really equipped, um, in ways that I think a lot of people don't have that experience, but I really did. I felt really equipped. Um, What a blessing, Courtney, to have not only your grandparents, but this girl, Anna come and just be so intentional. Honestly, it's kind of convicting to me to hear you even say it because it's like, oh my gosh, who, I could be doing that in someone's life. I could be um, yes. that weekly person, you know? Um, yeah. So I mean, it's it, really good. It, yeah. You can't even really measure impact, that kind of impact from people. That's right. And really no matter what season of your life, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you got a newborn, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it might be hard to be meeting weekly. Um, but even, I mean, I'm thinking about maybe some of the grandmothers listening, you know, Absolutely. I mean, who have, little bit more time to, that could really, maybe the Lord would impress someone listening to, to invest in someone younger like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about your chapter. Okay. Here we go. It was great. Okay. (laughs) So I have a printout of it for those watching this video. Here's a beautiful printout of Courtney's (laughs) chapter. It is called, am I called? So calling is a big word for us here at Women at Work. Of course, our vision statement is um, to see women confidently step into their God-given calling and view their work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. And a lot of times, you know, there's a lot of division. We always kind of get the question of, well, what, are you not from others? Like, like Mm -hmm. that's, you know, there's kind of a division, but between like work outside the home and motherhood and all that. And we always go back to that word calling, no matter what God mm-hmm. has called you to, right? So let's talk about calling. Like, why did you think this was such a necessary chapter? It is necessary, yeah. but I want to hear your heart about it. You know, I think that calling is one of those things. You know, there are a lot of different words in evangelical, you know, circles, whatever, that we just say. and. Yes it can mean a different thing to, to, to different people and right. they're not really clearly defined. And for me, calling was one of those words. It's like, what are you guys talking about when you say you were called to this and what does this mean? And, you know, even when you're in a dating relationship and it's like, am I called to marry this person? And then I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, kind it's of, a big question. Right. It's a big question. And I talk about this in the book. I think we'll get to it a little bit later, but I kind of had this, um, turning point really in my life where I had to decide like, what does it mean to be called to something? And if I'm not doing this, am I disobeying? Am I failing in some way? Or is calling actually something different than maybe what I kind of thought that it was? Mm -hmm. And so that just caused me to do a pretty deep dive into where do we get some of these definitions? And I think a lot of where we get them from is not actually from the Bible, it doesn't inform a lot of our um, descriptions of calling. And so I felt like for the book, 
if we're going to talk about women and work and how our work is meaningful to God's kingdom, you know, you just read the vision statement. We have calling in there. We really need to define what do we mean by calling? And so I just felt like that was going to be an important kind of foundational part of what the book could offer. And um, we've mentioned this on other episodes, but the book really starts out very theological. Um, mm-hmm. We have chapter one, Elise Fitzpatrick is really talking about the creation mandate in the Old Testament yeah. right there in Genesis and how that relates to the New Testament. And then so, um, so she's really given the foundation of work. And then chapter two, Missy Branch, um, you guys heard her last week, really talks about the importance of image bearing and what that means and what that has to do with our work. And then now here's the third really I mean, pretty vital concept to understand uh, for this conversation is calling. And so um, you might want to share this later. So if you do, we'll save it. But I mean, what did you, before you kind of did this deep dive, you know, what did you think calling was? You know, I I tell this story in the book. I won't go into the whole thing, but I I had this moment when I was in high school where I'm weeping on the phone, you know, to a friend because I felt this, uh, there's not really even a way to describe it other than this just call. It was like this urging in my spirit or in my mind or whatever it may be to ministry. And I felt like I was going to end up doing ministry one day and that I was never going to get to do any of the things I wanted to do. And I was going to have to do ministry instead. And I was devastated by it. And I say this in the book because it makes me laugh every time I think about it, that, you know, one of the things I said in that phone call was I I had this dream in my mind that I was going to live in Colorado and I was going to be a teacher and all this kind of stuff. And first of all, I actually do live in Colorado. (laughs) So me being called to ministry actually had nothing to do with where I ended up living. And, uh, you know, I thought I'd be so devastated. I wasn't going to end up being a teacher. And I actually have zero desire to be a teacher. (laughs) That was not even remotely on the radar. How old were you when, when, uh, this story you're sharing, how old were you when this was? I was a junior in high school. So I was 16. Um, I was 16, going to be 17. And so I think though, that what happened in that moment is, to me was, I felt, first of all, like that experience, me feeling like I was called into ministry meant I would never do anything else. And so that felt really, really weighty. And also it was like, okay, so if I'm called into ministry, what does that look like as a woman? What does that look like as if I want to be a mom? Do I, am I going to work in a church? I mean, I just had no idea what that meant, but People ask you all the time, did you feel a call to ministry? What did that call look like? And I think for a lot of people, you do have this kind of unique experience. I do think that God uses his spirit through his word to reveal things to you or to even give you a desire for things or or whatever it may be. And so it's not that I'm saying that people are not called into ministry, but what I am saying is that in that moment, what I thought being called into ministry looked like is not actually how it's fleshed itself out in my life practically. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, why I think this topic is important. And that's kind of where it started for me was really this experience. I won't even say how long ago. Cause I, so I won't say how long ago. ago. (laughs) No, I think that's a, that's a great segue into my next question for you is really you've served in a variety of roles. I mean, totally. Yeah. You know, you did have a feel a call. You felt called to ministry in high school, went to a Christian university. What was your uh, undergrad? What'd you major in? Yeah. So I have, it's actually very unusual. Um, but it, even when you're filling out forms, it doesn't even have this as an option, but I have a BM, I have a bachelor of music, um, with an emphasis in Christian studies. And okay. then I went on from there to get an MA, um, in church ministry, um, from Southern So you definitely Seminary. have this musical talent the Lord has given you. Courtney sings mm-hmm. beautifully. We should have you do a little acapella or something. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, this definite call to ministry, but even now, you know, you serve, uh, kind of doing some operation stuff in a nonprofit that you work for. So, and I feel like for me, I'm like, wow, those sound like kind of two different hemispheres of the brain that you're both like, you're really good at both. Like here's this creative side, but then this analytical side, like Mm -hmm. how do you make sense of, I guess, the various ways you've served? Um, how does that make sense with kind of this call to ministry you felt? 
Yeah. You know, one of the chapters in the book, it's at the very, it's towards the end, it's about learning and just the importance of being a continual learner. I think that there are a couple things. So first of all, music itself is really mathematical and that's the side of music mm. that I really connected with in college is the, Interesting. yeah, the more like kind of logical side of music is the side that I can really relate to, you know, there's a, there's a part that you'll study in music theory, 21st century, and it is actually math. <laughs> you know, you're doing literal like equations and wow. that was the, the side of music that I felt like I could really relate to. There is a sense in which natural gifting is just going to kind of be a part of your life at some point or another. It might not necessarily be what you do for a living, but I had an, I have a natural gifting when it comes to singing. And so really the only reason I was even a music major was because that was how I was going to pay for college. Right. And so that was why I studied it. And, but then I just thought, Oh, I'll probably do music in the church one day. You know, I had no, I had no idea what that was going to look like later on. I mean, I had a bunch of ideas that were all crazy, but I didn't, I mean, one of them was to be an ethnomusicologist, <laughs> which it's like hilarious which, even thinking about what? that now. That's it's, exactly. I've never heard of that. He's <laughs> like study music in other cultures. And anyway, oh, how interesting. Yeah. But I think that what happened when I was in post-college, I kind of went through a thing that I think a lot of people post-college go through where I was applying for jobs left and right. I had stayed in Jackson and I was, I mean, I had 20 interviews, wasn't getting any jobs. And it was just in now that I can look back retrospectively, I can see that it was the Lord closing doors, closing doors, closing doors. So I ended up on a whim, really moving to Louisville. And I just, reached out to a girl there and just said, I need a job. She was a manager at a coffee shop and she, I worked there as a barista, bless her soul. Cause I was a terrible barista, but <laughs> I needed to say yes to an opportunity. Right. And so I was just like, okay, this is, uh, this is what I'm going to do. This is the only job I've gotten in the last wow. you know, 20 interviews. So I got a job as a barista was doing that for a while and then worked as a medical assistant for an allergist while I was going through seminary because it was really flexible and it paid well and it, I was able to do classes and do that. But I also was part of an ensemble when I was at Southern that I was paid to be in. And that actually paid me enough of a stipend to cover the cost of my classes. And so, yeah. So then when I was making it the allergist, I was just living on. And so even that example of being able to do both of those things was kind of like yeah. this picture of what my life was going to look like later of this dual kind of calling where you're doing multiple things. The Lord is growing giftings in me that I didn't even know I had or that were there while also using some of my natural, natural abilities. And so that was kind of yeah. my, I guess, journey. So I do have a lot of different things that I'm able to do. Like I like to write. I like music. Um, I do operations though, because a lot of the way that I function in the world, if you've ever even had a texting conversation with me, a lot of the time I get made fun of for this all the time, but I'll even send them in bullet points. You know, it's like, first of all, oh, <laughs> Second of all, you know, because my brain is constantly taking information and ordering it. And so that helps when it comes to music. That can be really, really helpful. But when it comes to administrative things or operational things, when you're trying to develop processes, that can be really helpful. Or even when I'm writing an article, you know, when I'm thinking of yeah. things to write, I'm always thinking of an outline. How am I going to get from point A to point B? And here are the five ways I'm going to do it. So you have people that can do that way better than me that are not as technical because the where I can be weak is I can be so technical that I it's, it could be hard for me to be personal um, in, you know, in my writing or in my music or whatever, because I'm just thinking really technically about the process. And so there's always room to grow in all of those things. But I think that common, there's like a common thread in all the different things that I do. And that is my kind of process oriented brain, nature, all of that kind of stuff. I think that is so fascinating because I think it really speaks to the creativity of God to create women and humans so with such diversity, like yeah. how he made us and how he made you to think and how he made me to think and how we relate and just relate, relate to the world around us. Like we're Absolutely. also different and it's also beautiful as we, you know, um, 
walk in how and who he's made us to be, right? And especially, obviously, if you're doing it for his sake and you're being faithful to what, you know, he's put in front of you to do, whether that's, you know, making coffee or cutting lens or, you know, um, so that's really interesting. You don't want a world full of me's, right? I mean, that'd be so boring. You, you have to have people that function in all different ways. My husband and I, when it comes to this could not be more different. I mean, he's so fun. He's not process oriented at all. (laughs) You know, like we always say, like I kind of run the, the administrative tasks of our house, but he keeps our home really fun and keeps us moving. And, you know, cause I can get stuck where I'm just scared of making it just cause I'm like thinking through all the different outcomes and then he's like, we just got to do something, you know, we're, we're going to just make the decision. <laughs> and yeah. so, you know, you really do need um, a variety of giftings within yeah. your home, within your church, within the world. I mean, you really see how God, there's just a really, there's a reason why he created us all so uniquely and specifically. Yeah. Um, so how do you think about, so basically what you're telling me is even though it might appear, you know, that you're using two different hemispheres of your brain, the creative versus the analytical, you're basically saying, wait, all of this is really kind of that one way God made me and it's fleshing itself out in these different types of work or whatever. So given that, how do you feel like, whether it's as a musician or, um, your work doing operations, um, in the nonprofit, how do you feel like you are imaging God um, in those ways? Yeah, I would say two different things. So probably the first one, when it comes to the music side or the creative side or just whatever it may be, I think that there is just something that it just honors God to make beautiful things. It just does when you make things that are really beautiful, that are well-crafted. And so I want to be a good musician because I think that beautiful music. It's just a really simple way to, to give God glory. So that's kind of like number one, but the other side of that, more of the kind of operation technical side, I think that there is something, there is a way that we image God when we take chaos and we turn it into order. And we talk about that here, you know, we talk about that at women in work and and you'll kind of hear that language, but it really is true. Um, Tish Harrison Warren talks about this in her book, Liturgy of the Ordinary. She uses this example of making the bed. And she talks about how even in the ordinary daily tasks that you're doing, and even the smallest ways, I'm taking a messy bed, I'm, I'm making it, I am turning something that is chaos into order. And even in those small ways, I'm worshiping God because I'm imaging him. I am going all the way back to Genesis when he's telling Adam and Eve, he's giving them work to do. And he's telling them, basically, name the animals. He wants them to cultivate the ground. He wants them to take this chaos, you know, that he wants them to take this, this rough part of the world and he wants them to make it beautiful. He wants them to order it. He wants them to give it a name. Um, so I think that that's how I can image God in operations, right? As I'm helping develop processes that are taking something that is, can be really difficult to manage and making it manageable, taking something that can be chaotic and helping to make it orderly. Um, and yeah, and music, I'm just, wanted to create beautiful things because I think that God's honored by beautiful things. Yeah. I I love that. Well, I love just the simple um, example that you quoted there of just making your bed. Honestly, that's so encouraging to me because some of the tasks that I look around my house, you know, I mean, if you have kids, it's even if you don't, (laughs) it's just like so easy. I mean, it's, you snap your, you turn around. It's like, Oh my gosh, this place is a disaster. And I know for me, yeah, it's just like, it's so easy to get overwhelmed with, oh my gosh, there's like 10 things I need to put in order here. And I don't really want to do any of it. But if I even just told myself, you know what, I'm imaging God by creating order out of this chaos, like even just loading the dishwasher. um, That's actually really motivating to me to want to do the things I either don't (laughs) want to do or am so overwhelmed. I'm like, oh, I don't even know where to start, you know? Yes, absolutely. Um, So that's really good. Okay. So. When we talk more about calling and what it is in your chapter, one of the things I really love about your chapter is you lay out three myths of what calling is not. We hear a Mm -hmm. lot of things, just like you were talking about before, a lot of voices, a lot of confusing things um, about 
how to define when God calls you to something. So mm-hmm. um, without giving the whole book away, because listeners, yeah. you need to buy our book. That's <laughs> you right. Gotta go, That's right. You got to pre-order this thing today. Um, <laughs> you give three myths um, about what it is not. So I, my question to you right now is pick one of those myths and let's just yeah. share one of them with our listeners about what um, our, a calling from God is not. And then I love in the chapter two, you not only give the myth, but you give the truth. You actually mm-hmm. lay out, okay, here's the thing we're confused about. And now here's what the Bible actually says. Totally. So let's chat about that. So the myth that I think is probably the one I'm the most passionate about and that I hear the most. So that's probably why I'm the most passionate about is you'll hear it said the call to do fill in the blank, right? The call to motherhood, the call to being a wife. You, you put that in there, whatever you've heard before is the highest calling in your life. You hear this kind of language all the time. And frankly, it's just not in there. It's not, it is not in the Bible to say things like that. Now I want to be really clear. If you've said this to someone, or if you've heard this before, I would say, 10 out of 10 times, someone is saying this to you because they are trying to encourage you. Like, hey, keep doing this work because this is a high, you know, this is a high calling. Because a lot of the times when you hear language like that, it's around things that are really hard, right? Motherhood is really hard. Being a wife is really hard. Being a pastor is really, you know, there's a lot of things that are really hard. And so you'll hear this kind of language and it's used as a way you're you're trying to bolster someone, right? Right. That's so true. Yeah. And and so I want to be really gracious. I want to be really charitable when I hear people say things like this because they're, they're, you know, they're wanting to encourage. But I think one of the things, one of the traps that happens is we get into patterns of encouragement where the way we're encouraging and lifting someone else up is by putting someone else down. And so when we say that the highest calling for a woman is to be a mother, then what we're saying is that women who aren't mothers will never be able to achieve their highest, a highest calling in their life. And that's simply not true. Right. Exactly. And people saying, people saying those kinds of things, they would never say that, right. They're not going to say, Oh, you're not married. Don't have kids. You're missing out on the highest calling for women. They're not going to say that to someone that's single or that's barren, but in effect, that is what you're saying. And so that is the message that woman is hearing. Absolutely. It absolutely is. So while it's born out of good intentions, I think the language, the way that we talk about something, it really matters, right? It really, really matters. And so even kind of in the chapter, even the truth section of that myth, it's not so much like you should never talk about what the, it's not, don't ever encourage each other in, in the hard things. That's not the takeaway. The takeaway is the highest calling for every woman and man is to obey God, to follow Christ and to be a disciple. That's the highest calling. And there are so many other really important callings that, that God has placed on people's lives, individuals, but they all flow from that primary calling. And I would say that's the highest calling to a believer is, that that. We, is obedience to God. Um, Faithfulness. To walk worthy of the Lord. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Let me read this quote Um, in that truth section. um, In this section of the book, you say, um, okay, so the truth is the call to be a disciple and a disciple maker is the primary calling for a believer. Every believer is called to follow Christ and obey him. So being his disciple is the primary calling for every person, male or female. There is no hierarchy of value in God's kingdom or with his people. I think that is so crucial. There's no higher. Why is that so hard for me to say? (laughs) There is no hierarchy of value in God's kingdom or with his people. That is a message we need to hear more of. The value of what, what our faithfulness looks like, like is important. You know, it's not to be diminished to put someone else's work higher. Like, like just because you want to encourage that person doesn't mean that what God has called me to or another woman to isn't important, isn't valuable to what, That's right. you know, I always, I hear the phrase all the time. I don't know who first said it, but like God is, he's up to a million things in the world at, at, at one given moment. And so, yeah. um, this woman over here might be doing some work God's called her to. And it's so important for what God is doing and a million of those reasons. Right. And this woman right. over here is doing something else. So, um, 
yeah, it's, it's just huge. Yeah. Well, and I think one thing too, and you know, in one chapter of one book, you don't have time to flesh all of these things out so specifically, but um, just for the sake of the podcast, I'm not saying that there are not heavier consequences for some things than others. Right. So like if a surgeon messes up in surgery, the consequences of that are more severe than if I don't put my clothes in the dryer. Okay. Like that there are severe, there are different levels of consequences. There are different weights that our work brings into the world, but in God's kingdom economy, both of those tasks are valuable to his kingdom, right? They're both that they are of equal value in God's kingdom, even if one has more consequences. So I would even say teaching God's word, that's a weighty, that is such a weighty thing. And the consequences of mishandling that are really heavy and really severe. And scripture makes that really clear, but that doesn't mean that it's more important than someone else who's serving the church in a different way. It doesn't mean that the value of that is different to God, where it's like, oh, well, I value your pastor more than I value you. The work he's doing is is more valuable. No, all of the work is valuable and meaningful in God's kingdom, and it all matters, and it's all important. Um, and so, like I said, it's not that there are not varying consequences for mistakes or for fruit or whatever it may be. It's just that when it comes to God and his people and his image bearers and what he's called you to— you have just as much value and just as much to offer in the kingdom of God as the CEO of a company or as the lead pastor of a megachurch, right? I mean, you have just as much value and you have just as much ability to be used by God to build up his kingdom. I mean, just as you're talking, I was thinking of the picture of the body um, that Paul gives, you know, um, in Corinthians, and also I was just reading in Romans 12 uh, yesterday, and this whole thing comes up. And so, you know, he says in Corinthians, you know, if you are the the little pinky toe, you know, that's right. You, you know, yeah. the the head or the eye can't say to the pinky toe, "I don't need you." Like we all need one another, and it all works together to promote what God's purposes are. Right? Um, mm-hmm. He says in Romans 12 verses, I'll just read starting in in verse three. Um, This is the NIV. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. I mean, that's kind of part of that hierarchy. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each one of us has one body with many members, there it is. And these members do not all have the same function. That is so hard when mm-hmm. we think about women and what we ought to be doing, it's like we do, Absolutely. we kind of all think, and the culture has told us, you need to be all doing the same thing. But this is so clear. In Christ, um, there are many functions. So in Christ, though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We're a family here, folks. That's right. That's <laughs> We're a family right. here. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. It's according mm-hmm. to the grace given to us, people. That's right. Um, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it yep. is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then to give generously. If it is to lead, to do it gil- diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And so I just think that's so encouraging that, I mean, even if you think um, about that one phrase, for by the grace given to us. Yeah. I mean, we all have a different measure of grace depending on the need in front of us. Absolutely. Um, and what well, and think about the the people in your life that are just in the world. You know, you you think about your life, your church, your city, you think about the the world, the the world that God made is such a big place that are doing, you know, I think of this man all the time because Anna actually, who was my mentor, her dad is a pastor at a tiny church in a rural town in Iowa. And he has been shepherding this congregation for over 20 years, all this kind of stuff. And I just think he has done countless acts of unseen things that has been just him obeying God and him being faithful to what God has called him to in this season. He's not going to be writing books. He's not going to be on a podcast, but he has had a faithful and fruitful life because he's been obedient. And there are countless men and women all over the world who are just 
honoring God in the way that they are speaking to others and the way they raise their kids and the way that they care for the things that God has given them that you'll never know about, right? You will never know about these things. There are probably men and women in your church who are even praying specifically for you and you may not even know it, Mm -hmm. but their acts of faithfulness, they're bearing all kinds of fruit and it's in direct relation to them just being obedient to what God's called them to in the season that they're in. And all of those unseen acts of obedience, they matter to God. They may not be important to your neighbor. They may not be important to this person or that person, but they matter to God. They really do. Okay, so you talk Mm -hmm. about in your chapter the different myths, three different myths. This was one of them. How would you describe then on the flip side what is what what is a God-given calling? And then you know, any scripture that comes to mind as you talk about that, we'd love to hear too. Totally. I mean, I would say, you know, like we said earlier, that the call, the kind of the highest calling, the primary calling for any believer is obedience to Christ, right? It's discipleship. It's making disciples. Um, but there are also a lot of just admonitions in Scripture to to be faithful. First Corinthians four two talks about that. Um, you know, one of the verses for our organization, Colossians three seventeen, that you work as unto the Lord, you honor Him in all of the things that you do. First Corinthians fifteen talks about that, and I think that. One of the ways I I talk, I'll just do a small preview because I don't want to give it away, (laughs) but I do kind of talk about how you can discern what your calling is. Yeah, because one of the things that has been really clear in my life is that callings change. They can be really, really dependent. The calling to obey God doesn't ever change, but when it comes to your vocation or what you're doing, on a day-to-day basis, the job that you have or don't have, whatever it may be, um, that changes. Different seasons inform different things. And so there are a lot of different ways that God uses to help you determine what this season in your life allows. And so it can be, I kind of map out what each of these is, but again, a little preview is like desire. Do you have a, do you have a longing to actually do something? But just because you have a longing to do something, do you have the opportunity to do it? Is there an opportunity laid before you to do that thing? Because frankly, if there's not, that might not be what God's calling you to, right? right. I can want really badly to be a, you know, a nurse or something. I don't even know. I can't even think of a good example. Or I can want really badly, even practically in my life, I can want really badly to be a worship leader on a paid staff at a church. But you know what? That is not the opportunity that God has laid before me right now. And and so I'm not going to do that, right? Or I can want mm-hmm. really badly to, to be a speaker, author, right? I can want really badly to do that. We see a lot of examples of just faithful Christian women that get to speak and they get to write and they get to do all these things. Like, man, I really want to do that. But first of all, you may not have a gifting that matches that. And that is okay. God has gifted us all differently, not every single Christian woman that loves the Bible is called to be a teacher or is called yeah. to be a writer. That may not be your gifting, but also it may just not be the opportunities that God has laid before you right now. And so there are a lot of different ways I think that God uses to help us determine his the calling that he has for us, primarily through his word, but also through his people. And I yeah. think that the people of God can really help you to determine what it is that God has for you. And so I have seen so many women, I'm sure you have too. I'm sure there are women listening to this podcast. I've been in this position before. I think you've been in this position before where we feel it's almost like disappointing because we feel like the calling to ministry or this calling that God has placed on us, it doesn't look the way that we thought it should. It doesn't look the way we even want it to. And it's like, we get so hung up, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with women that are like, well, I'm called to vocational ministry. And it's like, well, sis, there's no jobs for you at the church here today. So like either you're not called to be at this church or God's actually calling you to something that, you know, yeah. there are a lot of different indicators for that. And it can be disappointing if we're not aware of the fact that mm-hmm. our callings can change. Our voc- or our vocations, uh, the things that we're doing, the way our calling to obey God is fleshing itself out it can look vastly different. If you have four little kids at home, 
your calling is probably going to look different than if you have grown children that have all left your house or, you know, like it might, it's yeah. probably going to change. Your availability is going to change your mental space in your brain. Your health, I feel your like physical my mental, health even. My, yeah, that's right. Your physical health. Like at the end of, you know, I, I said earlier, I just had a baby at the end of that pregnancy. I was so sick. I was so miserable. And my capacity of what I could get done in a day was cut less than in half. I just yeah. couldn't do it. No. And so even my body, there's a chapter in the book on this, like even my body was informing yeah. what I was able to do during that season. Yeah. Um, and so there's so many different ways that God has given us to help us to det- determine what our callings are. But I would say if I could encourage a, you know, a piece of advice, I guess, or an encouragement for women would be to allow people to know you get involved in your local church and really be vulnerable and honest with men and women that are in your life that you respect, because they can help you so much in determining what it is that maybe the Lord is calling to you in a season. There's a woman, you know, at the church we go to now, there are two different women I have in mind. And one of them, you know, I help co-teach our Bible study and my co-teacher for women. And I I love it. My co-teacher said though, after I had the baby, I was like, well, I can probably come back at the end of Bible, I had the baby two weeks before Bible study started. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I could probably, I'll probably be ready to teach the last half or whatever. And she, she helped me and said, no, you are going to be too tired. You have got to adjust to having another kid. Cause I, I mean, I work also, like I have a job that I do too. And she's like, you're going to have to learn how to balance all of that. You're not going to be able to do it. And that helped me determine what God was calling me. You know, she's just like, no, you're not doing that right now. Right. Um, and so I think, I think if that's you let so important. People, yeah. So if you let people know you, they know your giftings, they can help affirm you or they can help redirect you. And that's I think so that's, true. God uses his people to do that. You really need the community of God, their discernment. Right. Absolutely. And sometimes yeah. like what you're saying with your example, I love your example because, it, you know, she could see that. I mean, you had the it's like the spirit's willing, the flesh is weak. Right. You had the spirit. Yeah. You were willing to do it. But she knew like, girl, you're going to be tired. Like you got a yes. lot going on. Uh, yes. so she helped you discern that. But it's also there's sometimes I think about um, we in my own life, I can say this where it's like I have a, a desire, a longing, but I feel scared or fearful Mm -hmm. to try it Mm -hmm. um, because I don't think I'm good enough. I look around and see 20 women doing it better anyway. So just, I'll just minimize what, what I have, my capabilities because they are, they've got this right. And so for me, it's, it's been so helpful to have both men and women come and say, no, I see this in you. And they call that out and they say, no, you need to give that a shot or, you know what, let me connect you to so-and-so who has an opportunity that I didn't even know about before this conversation started. Right. But I do want to say, I was just, as I'm, you know, glancing at your chapter talking about desire, you do give the caveat, which I think is so, so helpful that sometimes God calls us to things we don't want to do. You give the example of uh, Jonah. He did Mm -hmm. not want to go to Nineveh. (laughs) That's right. God was determined for him to get to Nineveh. Um, for those yeah, people there to really hear the gospel. Do something. Yeah. Sometimes you really want to do something and it's like, God is not giving you the opportunity to do it. Sometimes God is calling you to be obedient and you're like, uh-uh, I do not want to do that. That is not something that I, <laughs> I mean, to that's legit. That is real. That is legit. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, there's always, I, again, I go back to like, just like the orderliness of my home. There's always tasks. It's like, no, like I have to love the people in my house to here's a, here's a calling. Keep your that's house right. clean. <laughs> that I don't want to do. Um, But beyond that, I mean, vocationally though, I mean, there may be opportunities that the Lord, you just flat can't deny. Whoa. God like lined every aspect of this up. I'm not super excited about it, but I do sense and other people now telling me you've got the gifts for this. Here's the opportunity. Perhaps your family needs the income and you gotta, Mm -hmm. you gotta trust the Lord. That's by faith to say, I'm going to walk through that door my mm-hmm. my will doesn't really want to, but I'm I'm gonna honor the Lord. I'm gonna be faithful. I'm gonna obey God even when I don't want to. Um, I think that's yeah. that's huge. Oh yeah, and I mean you know the Bible tell right the Bible tells us this. It tells us that God is gonna be 
magnified in our weaknesses. Yes. But nobody wants to work from a place of weakness, <laughs> right? Like I don't want to be doing things that I feel weak in. Um, exactly. Yes. I want to be operating out of my strengths. And, and there are times where you're going to do that, but there are times where God is just, is uh, that's actually how I feel with teaching women's Bible study is mm. I feel like I look to so many other women that are so much better. And I think, well, if I'm not the best, then I probably shouldn't be doing this. Right. And that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> but also I think the times where I am coming before the women in my church and I feel so weak, I'm like, man, I just don't think my preparation, I just, I don't think this is as good as it was last week or whatever it may be. And it's in those times where women will oftentimes be the most encouraged or mm. will have the most to say. And it's because this is the yeah. spirit. This is not this me. Is exactly doing this. right. This is the spirit um, of God working through your weakness and your exactly. just your faithfulness, right? I mean, to just yeah. say, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna get up there. That's I'm not right. feeling it, but I'm gonna get up there and I'm gonna I'm gonna take this step of obedience. So that's, that's right. really encouraging. Um, I was gonna say maybe you've kind of already shared already, but was there another example you were thinking of from your own life where you really looked at desire, gifting, affirmation, and opportunity? Mm-hmm that you wanted to share. We don't have much time, but. Yeah, I would say that, um, you know, the one that I mentioned in the book that is fleshed out a lot more here, but it, it really is just the most vivid example of this in my life is music ministry, worship leading. I never wanted to marry anyone that was a musician because I was just like, rah, 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 I don't want to do that. <laughs> really? I, my husband is a worship pastor <laughs> and very musical in all the ways. He plays all the instruments. He does all the things. And so it was tough though, because I have a, a degree in music too. And I feel, or I felt really passionate about worship leading when we first got married, but it's just really unlikely and unusual to have um, two people that are married to each other on the, on a paid worship staff together. And so, but that is like his, you know, what, like we talked about earlier, I feel like the Lord during that time was building up other giftings in me and I wasn't seeing it necessarily at the time. Um, but he was using that in me because that really is music ministry. Um, worship ministry is really just kind of a singular thing that God has called Matt to in this season. Mm-hmm. And, so while he's growing these other giftings in me, he's really growing that in him. And so he is the one that's on a paid worship staff. And I knew when he took the job in Birmingham, it was like, okay, this is, I will not be doing this. They had a, a worship staff at this church. There were four people on it. So even, you know, the church we moved from, I was serving with him almost every week and all this kind of stuff. And then we moved, I was really pregnant and they had a whole team and they just had these amazing musicians there. There were lots of women that could sing. There were lots of women that could do all the things that I was helping him do. And so it was like going from every week doing this thing with him to not at all for the first probably Mm -hmm. six months. And then when I was able to, it was maybe once a month, once every eight weeks, whatever. At the time that was so jarring for me and it was so difficult for me because I felt like, well, this is something that I'm educated in. It's something that I'm gifted in. It's something that we've always been able to do together. And now those opportunities have been cut, not even in half, you know, it's like a quarter of what we were doing together before. But what God ended up doing in those four years and in that season is really changing my desire, right? Hmm. And now I don't even have a desire to be on a worship staff at a church. I don't How even interesting. Do that. That's so fascinating. Um, yeah, I mean, he really did. He's he has built up other giftings in me, other desires in me, that really have taken over even that desire. And so, but I want to be, you know, honest about that. That was hard. That was a pruning season for me, where I realized that my identity was wrapped up in what I could do and mm. in what I was good at and what I felt like the Lord had called me to, my identity was so wrapped up in that, that when that was taken away, it was kind of like, well, who am I? What value can I even bring to the church or Mm -hmm. to God's kingdom if I can't do this thing? And um, the Lord really showed me like, man, I, I am so much bigger than that. I, you're, that's where that the word value came from. It's like, man, your value to the kingdom is so much bigger than what you can do or not do in your weaknesses or in your strengths. It's in the spirit's ability to work through your obedience. That's how you're valuable to the kingdom. And so I think that that was really difficult 
it was a really difficult season, but I look back on it really sweetly now. And I see how God built up other desires, other giftings, other things that he was going to use that now I get to do. I mean, I, I get to help teach women's Bible study now. That's not an opportunity I had then, but I think the Lord was growing that in me back then, you know? Um, and so well, that's, that's just what, a really practical example. Well, that's what I was just thinking. I, you, probably that back then when you guys moved to Birmingham, you would have never thought, you know, I'm going to lay this desire down that I don't mm-hmm. have an opportunity for, yeah. um, which doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to lay this down. I'm going to trust the Lord. And I mean, did you have any inkling then you'd be like, teaching this teaching rather than singing. Right. I mean, no, not at all. Not at all. And honestly, I'm way more comfortable singing. I I would rather sing to a a room full of, you know, we have about 350 women in our women's outside. I'd rather sing to them than try to teach them. (laughs) (laughs) I'd more comfortable. Yeah. Again, talking about your, um, working from weakness rather than, I mean, it's a place of dependence. Maybe the Lord was part of what he was working in you then was to say, no, I'm going to bring her over here so that she has to depend upon me and then actually see me come through for her in a way. Um, I was also thinking of Psalm 37, four, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desire. A lot of times we talk about, we, I remember when I first heard that verse, you know, it was like, I don't know what a teenager or something. It was like, okay, well, if I delight myself in the Lord, he's going to give me everything my heart wants, right? Right. Everything my heart desires, he's going to give me. But another translation or another way to interpret that would be, um, no, he will give you, he will put new desires in your heart. Um, He will give you your heart's desire. And so um, I think that's interesting how you did trust the Lord. I mean, you really didn't have a choice because they weren't inviting you to say. Absolutely. I had no choice. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah. you didn't Sometimes grow bitter. Choice away. Yeah. Well, you know, and I mean, it affected our marriage in these crazy ways that yeah. we weren't anticipating too. Cause I just felt like, who, who am I to you? I can't do this thing that I've always been. Doing. Um, but ultimately we're so much stronger because of it. You know, it really helped us to, um, figure out who we were, you know, it just, it, yeah. it was a, a very formative season for that us. Um, yeah. but yeah, no, the Lord had to, for me, I'm pretty, I can be pretty stubborn. And so it's the Lord literally just take a step away. He's like, okay, well, this is how you're going to learn this. Sure. <laughs> We're going to close all these doors. Um, but you did really... respond in a way. It felt forced, but your response yeah. to that, you could have really gotten, that could have, if you had not had a heart bent to trust him, you could have really grown bitter. You could have really, that could have taken you down a path where you wouldn't have been fit to teach. You know what I'm saying? That's to true. be a teacher. Yeah. That's so praise the Lord true. for that. All right. Well, well, our time, Courtney. I mean, we could just... I know. Just flew by here. <laughs> All right. So I want you to give our listeners one last kind of thought or word to encourage them as they maybe think about their own calling or just a more broad um, encouragement about just their work and calling. Yeah. I would say it's hard because there are so many kind of things that could be said here, but if I could kind of boil it down, I guess, into one thing, I would just say to lean on the Lord and trust him that whatever season that you're in, whatever gifting you've been giving, whatever work you're doing, it really matters to God. It really does. So if you are at home all day and you are raising kids and you're changing diapers and you're doing whatever, or if you're in the finance world and you are knee deep in spreadsheets and you're auditing, just whatever it is that you are doing, even in the smallest ways, the work that you're doing, it matters to God's kingdom. And ultimately you are being obedient to God's call in your life. If you are submitting to his will And if you are being faithful to the work he's called you to in that moment and in that day, even in the smallest ways, you are adding, you are valuable to God's kingdom. And it's not because your value is wrapped up in what you can do or what you can't do, but it's because you're valuable because you're made in God's image and God's spirit is going to work through you to build his kingdom. So whether that's building his kingdom by raising little people in your home, whether it's building God's kingdom by serving your local church, whether it's all of those things, whether you're raising kids and you're working and you're coming up with childcare and figuring out sick plan is all of those things. They matter to God. 
Because the way that God has ordered his world is he uses us to accomplish his purposes and ultimately to bring about his kingdom on earth, right? So if I had Mm -hmm. any advice or just any encouragement for women is to keep that perspective at the forefront of your mind. Because when you're in the day-to-day grind, if you can continue to see that your work is meaningful because it's a way that you image God, it's a way that you glorify him, it is going to make that work so much more of a joy, so much more of a yeah. delight, even when it gets hard. That's what you lean on when it gets hard. Yeah. So that's what I would say. I guess that's the bulk of what I would say. But the way in which we do this is through God's word. If I have yeah. any takeaway for women, period, it is you have got to have a regular intake of God's word. And in different seasons, it is going to look different. Right now, in this season of a newborn, it looks like listening to God's word. It looks like the dwell app when I'm driving. It looks like, you know, whatever it may be. But you have got to have that because if you are not operating from God's word, if you're not in God's word, it is so much more difficult to recall the truths of God if you're not just, you know, taking having a daily intake yeah. of his word. And to so just be, like get over things. your flesh, you know? Yes. I mean, I feel like yes. when you have kind of a prolonged time of, not meeting with him, not renewing your mind, not really saturating right. your heart and your mind in the word. I mean, I mean, it is fast. Your flesh takes over. And then before you That's know right. it, you're going down sad, depressing yeah. <laughs> thoughts about well, your work. And it's like, oh, that's right. And you will never be able to discern the will of God if you are not in the word of God. That's you so won't. True. I mean, his will is revealed through his word. And so if you are finding yourself in a place where you don't know what to do next. You're just whatever you, you have got to have the rock solid foundation of standing on God's word to be able to, for the spirit to be able to help reveal to you his will. You've got to know the, the word of God. I was just reading, I want to say it was, um, this might sound cliche, but Psalm 119, a Psalm yeah, about the word oh, of yeah. God. That's right. um, but I was just reading this like two days ago and it actually, you know, uses um, the word counselor, like his word. I know we think about the Holy Spirit being a counsel, but he counsels us through his word. Through his word. Yeah. And I was actually, as soon as I read that, I thought, oh my gosh, like I, I went back to a time where I thought I literally do not know what to do. And right. um, just reading his word in this one instance, I just recalled, you know how I know what to do? Because he showed me through the spirit, through this Bible. And um, that's just huge. And another thing I was thinking of, Courtney, I know we're trying to close here, but I was just thinking (laughs) of the, um, when you were talking about, you know, your work, Matt, like what you do actually matters to God. And you give a great reason of, because, you know, he's, he's using all these things to build his kingdom, which is like kind of a grand picture. But I was also kind of thinking of just like the smaller picture of like, just his heart for you, like his heart right. of love, like he actually mm-hmm. loves you. That's right. um, and he actually like in your day to day, when you're staring at emails, you don't feel like answering, like, like you are loved by the father right. in that moment. Mm-hmm. And that's right. That's um, you're valuable. You're valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. Just been encouraged by that lately myself. So thought I'd bring yeah, it up. But, that's good. Well, Courtney, been a pleasure as always. Yeah, I'm glad. <laughs> this was a fun new experience to be that's on right. the podcast. So that's I love good. it. I love it. This is great. Um, so guys, don't forget to pre-order the book so you can read Courtney's chapter, chapter three, Am I Called? Hope this has been an encouraging conversation for you listeners. Thanks for listening. And thank you, Courtney, for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Pre-order your copy of our book, Women in Work, bearing God's image and joining in his mission through our work at the link in the show notes. And thank you for joining our mission here at Women in Work by making a one-time tax-deductible donation or by becoming a monthly partner at womenwork.net slash donate. If you haven't subscribed to the show, make sure you do that as well so you don't miss a single episode. And with that, we hope you've been inspired to more confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. See you next time.